So, good morning. I like to acknowledge today that it is not just a glorious day, but it is also Maga Puja, one of the four Buddhist festival days. The actual source of that festival day uh, is maybe less obvious than the other three days in uh, the Buddha's career, but uh, that day goes back to a spontaneous gathering of awakened beings. Um, and it marks an occasion where the Buddha in a nutshell, gave the teaching of all Buddhas, which is um, its very pithy. It says, uh, cultivate wholesome actions, abstain from evil actions, and purify the mind. If you have um, completely awakened beings to teach, then obviously you can do away with most of the teaching. Things have become a little more complex these days. So let me try to string a few thoughts together on the nature, on an aspect of the nature of our problem. That aspect has to do with that our experience is intrinsically fluid. There is a process nature of all human experience. And yet the medium that um, actually takes care of that experience, our mind and our body, does very bad with process nature. It has an inherent tendency to make things out of processes. There's an inherent tendency to frame intrinsically fluid and fleeting sensorial and mental experience and pigeonhole, categorize things. A uh, tendency philosophers would call reification, making things out of things that are not things, making things out of processes. This is not difficult to understand. We all know how our senses operate mostly in terms of contrast. It is very difficult for us to maintain awareness of a sense, input, a sound, a smell, something tangible, something gustatory, um, unless it keeps changing. In fact, it is very difficult for us to maintain constant presence of mind with a continuous and stable sensory impingement. Sometimes it's very easy to see. You come into a room and it smells stale, a little bit of used up air and old socks. Yeah. And then you stay in that room for two minutes and it stops smelling that way. 
The fact that it stops smelling that way is not that it doesn't smell anymore objectively that way. It's, it means simply you have gotten used to it. So our sense organs operate almost exclusively in terms of contrast. If I hold out my arm, I don't actually feel what my arm does, but I feel uh, a motor movement, and then I feel a change in the weight of that arm. I feel a change in the distribution of weight in that arm. If we extrapolate from very simple sensory experience that it is very difficult for us to maintain awareness of something steady and continuous, then it becomes apparent that within our experience and our way of representing experience to ourselves, we have um, a pattern of reification going. This happens on many levels, not just on a sensory level where we depend on contrasts and changes to become aware at all. It also happens on the level of perception. When I look at a face, I, I try to recognize who somebody is, then um, studies have shown that what my mind or my eyes are doing is r- rapid succession of movements around nose, eyes, and the mouth of my interlocutor. And something in my mind serializes these rapid sensory impressions and then compares those serialized impressions with my memory banks. And then something comes up and says, oh, this is Susie, or this is Peter, or this is Jeff. Because what I see and what what I memorize of is close enough to recognize, okay, this is a version of Jeff, although he's unshaven today, this must be Jeff, it, because it looks enough like Jeff. It's not very different from what um, what computers do. It's not very different from what algorithms do. So our mind, to cope with an immense mass of fluid data that pour in through all my sense channels, tries to organize this information, tries to organize these sense data by serializing it and by lumping lumping it into neat perceptions. Now, a perception is something fascinating. It is something that is completely new. It is based on immediate sensory experience, what I see hear, taste, touch, can think of right now. At the same time, it is also connected with something I have a memory of, I have knowledge of, previous knowledge to be exact. So in other words, perception is the moment where one aspect of my experience that is immediate, that has freshness, that has um, a non-cognized sensory directness and to handle that directness and the fluidity of this my mind organizes this in terms of what do I already know how 
can it be fitted somewhere into my previous understanding? In other words, I keep trying to understand what is new in terms of what I already know. Now, for many occasions in our lives, this works quite well. We don't need to think when we stand in front of a red light. We just wait till it gets green. We know what it is. But if I actually encounter something really new, then I have problems because it doesn't fit into my current framework of understanding. But there is a definite tendency of my mind to actually fit it in there. So I keep trying to explain away that little edge. I could actually learn something completely novel. I could change, I could transform, I could really outgrow something I already know. That little edge I keep trimming off so that what I have encountered now fits into my frameworks of that which I already know of, have experience of, believe to be um, an expert in. So perception is a, is a mixed bag. On one hand, what is perceived goes back to sense contact and is fresh and immediate. At the same time, when it is so-called recognized, I already put it into a bag of something I believe to know. And often I miss things thereby. I miss the learning experience. The mind does that to cope better with the flow of information. It does that to cope, to economize the effort it has to make to understand everyday life. In terms of spiritual practice, you easily see that there is a tremendous disadvantage to this. That perceptual process and that labeling of that which arises in the present moment in terms of that which I already know from previous moments has two major advantages. First disadvantage is um, there is no accuracy in my previous knowledge. The quality of my labeling largely hinges on the quality of my memory and on the, on the accuracy of a previous perception, which, if you're not awakened, you may have reasonable uh, reason to, to be doubtful of the accuracy of previous perceptions. Perceptions can be remarkably misleading. So trying to, exper- to experience new things and label them with the labels of old experience doesn't seem to be a very successful way of being either accurate, or happy, or free. The other disadvantage is that while the immediate sensory experience keeps moving on, the percept actually is like the image frame, is stable. So as soon as I relate to my experience as a perceived experience, I seem to be relating to kind of picture frames, yeah? Picture frames that are reasonably stable, that are reasonably defined, and yet the very nature of experience is it's fluid. 
So I keep having a simplified and thereby falsified version of what's actually taking place. Now this is not because of neurosis, this is not because of lack of realization that this happens. This is, this is what a healthy mind does. The Buddha was very clear about this. Already in the earliest suttas you find an acknowledgement of a perceptual process that begins with sense contact, goes via a hedonic quality, a felt quality of experience, and then goes a step further into a perceived quality and from being perceived it is being cognized and from being cognized it is being associated with and from as soon as we have a, an associative string of thoughts generally um, things begin to accelerate a pattern of experience gains momentum we start having a story and in that story is usually a good bit of emotion and then we have many stories, certainly. And what started off as a sense experience essentially becomes more and more my story. It has less and less to do with the sense contact and more and more with my story, my history, my past, my role, my me, basically, my me, myself, my I. So one aspect of Buddhist practice is kind of redirecting attention away from the reified, thingified part of our experience, back to the fluidity of immediate awareness, the fluidity of immediate sensorial awareness. So there are many examples of that emphasis in the teaching. One example is certainly that we are called to acknowledge in the seen, just the seeing, yeah. in the heard, just the hearing, in the felt, just the feeling. Another uh, emphasis teaches us to cultivate an awareness that is non-creating. One of the most sublime teachings in the early suttas is a teaching about a key term. I hope to have some more time to speak about this. That key term means atamaya. And it, this literally means not consisting of that, not being made of that. And this key term speaks of an attitude of primordial awareness in which the mind outward does not create the world, does not grasp after its signs, does not concoct a world. And subjectively, inwardly, I could say this attitude um, is an attitude of non-identification and non-attachment. It is an awareness that is fluid 
It is an awareness that does not make things, does not frame what it is aware of, does not pack into boxes, compare them with memory, and label them according to memory. It's the very highest octave of open awareness. In fact, in one of the teachings it is credited with being even beyond Upeka, even even beyond the unified one-fold form of Upeka. Uh, Sapurisadama Sutta speaks well, encourages to give encourages us to give things up on the basis of other things. So it says give up core sensory experience on the basis of uh, absorption rupa jhana absorption and we are encouraged to give up rupa jhana absorption of mind on the basis of arupa jhana absorption and then finally we are encouraged to give even any attachment and any identification and any longing after the experience of arupa jhanas which you can't fault as being very coarse yeah this is about as fine as it gets we are encouraged to even give up that on the basis of atamayata the attitude of complete non-concoction, non-identification. How can this be translated into our immediate meditative practice? One simple way is that we go back to the sense contact. We hear a sound and we try directing our awareness to the experience of that sound before that sound has a name? That's a good question. What was that thought before it had a name? You see, there is a bird tweeting before you know what bird it is, before that bird song has a name, before you call it bird song, there is an experience there. And addressing and redirecting our attention to that experience prior to the mind giving it a name. What was the experience of that face before I have given that face a name, saying something like sad or happy or distracted? What is the experience of a color because I recognize it as red or blue or yellow? What is the experience of a human being before I know it's a man or a woman, old or young, pretty or not? So redirecting attention to the quality prior before it has received a label, prior before it has received a classification, prior before it has been categorized in terms of my experience, in terms of my knowledge, in terms of my expertise. So, I'll just ponder. <laughs> 